Sabbath. Yes, it's that time again where we get to go worship the Lord. Worship the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And today in Luke, we are in Luke 16 through 18, and it's about are we going to get it? Do we get it? Are we going to be able to steward it? And really, it's given up the self. Jesus will get on to that too. And there's just some really good stuff today. In Luke 16, Jesus tells a story that I love because he hints at his resurrection in it. But the first thing he talks about is the parable of the shrewd manager. And it's about a manager who was mishandling the affairs of his job. So he gets word he's going to be fired. So... In his firing, he arranges through some swindling. And it's like, oh, they had swindling even back then. Yes, they did. And if people owed the boss a thousand bushels of weed, he cut them to, he cut their ticket to 800 so he could keep what was off top. And stuff like that. That stuff was going on even then. You can read the story. But what was interesting was the rich man knew what he was doing. The manager's boss knew what he was doing. And so he kind of admired his tactics because he's like, this guy is clever. He's really trying to do this. Now, today, you know, people would get angry about it and stuff and uh, you'd be in jail and all that. And the guy does lose his job, right? But here's what Jesus says. Jesus just says, you should use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. And if you read that topically, it almost, people a lot of times say, oh, he's telling us to do He's like approving of what the guy says. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying quite the opposite. He is saying, don't swindle. Do what the rich man was doing in trying to help people instead of trying to swindle people. Because if you keep reading, he says, if you are faithful with little things, you'll be faithful with large ones. But if you're dishonest with little things, you will be honest. You'll be dishonest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? So, in other words, if you misrepresent the kingdom, then why would anybody want to go where you go? And I have heard that before. I've heard that when I talk to people, if that's what 
church is about, then I don't want anything to do with it because we've misrepresented the church. And I'm talking church general. I'm talking the kingdom work. And so, you know, when we go out and we go to these houses, we don't tie it to a church. We call it kingdom work. And that's the greatest part of it because it is kingdom work. Now, our church is available to them as well as the churches that will help us in that. But the fact is we want to do kingdom work and love people like Jesus loved people. And so the Pharisees, you know, Jesus gets into them a little more and says, no one can serve two masters because we get so greedy with our money that we will be devoted to one and despise the other. See, that that manager was really caught up in his money. And I'll tell you what, when we become enslaved to money, it, it drives us to do things that we normally wouldn't do. And then... We blame it on, well, I have this bill and this bill. That's because we created them. And when we create them, we become enslaved to it. And when we become enslaved to it, then when that drives us to do things we wouldn't do. Some of us, you know, I was on five payrolls one time. And, it, and it's all because I'm indebted to the man, you know, money and things that I have to pay for. And it's like, I, it was it was horrible. You do things that you wouldn't do. I didn't swindle from anybody. I didn't take from anybody. But you never are home. You're too tired to be with anybody. You're too tired to spend quality time with anybody. And it really cost me in relationships with my kids. And, you know, for one, I'm paying with that right now, paying dearly for that. So we don't want to let that become an issue. And it's not that I loved the money because I didn't, it wasn't that I was loving it. I just needed to make it to make ends meet. What happens is you love the things that you got indebted to. Those, those become more important or so we think, you know, the good thing is God delivers us from that and shows us that's not how it has to be. And so the Pharisees get all tanked up about it and they're angry with him. And God's, Jesus sees that and he, and he calls them out on it. You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. And what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. And that's what he calls them out on because God doesn't care how pretty you dress, what kind of car you drive. He doesn't care how much money's in your bank. God just wants us to serve him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's the greatest thing for this Sabbath day is, you know, let's just put all the distractions away and just worship him, thank him, and be undividedly, wholly committed to being in his presence today. That would be the, I mean, that would just be awesome, wouldn't it? So then the story shifts to a rich man and Lazarus. And this is not the Lazarus that Jesus raises from the grave in John 11. 
This is a poor man, Lazarus. There's the rich man who has everything. Remember what Jesus said, use your worldly resources to benefit others. Well, this rich man has everything, and the or, and he's got this poor man outside his door who's longing just for the scraps. And he's been out there, he's poor, he has nothing, and he's got open wounds. A dog's come and lick his open wounds. And Lazarus, the rich man, gives him nothing. And so finally the poor man succumbs to his poorness, let's just say, and dies. And the angels carry him away to the heavenly banquet. Then the rich man dies, you know, the one that wouldn't help anybody, and he is carried to the place of the dead, which is hell. And in hell, he's tormented. See, what's interesting about this in hell, we are protected from nothing. That's part of hell. You get to remember the woulda, shoulda, couldas. You get to remember, well, if I had you know, when they told me about Jesus, I really should have accepted him there and I should have accepted him there. When they told me that heaven was real and hell was real and I re- laughed and mocked at it, I should have accepted Jesus then. And in hell, we're going to know all that. But see, what's interesting is he's in there and he's laying in torment and he could see Lazarus and Lazarus is at the great banquet. So the rich man shouts up and says, hey, have some pity on me. Send Lazarus over here, you know, the one that he wouldn't help. Send him over here to dip his the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Because I'm in hell. I'm in anguish in these flames. Remember, the rich man didn't help Lazarus. And so Father Abraham, who's representing God in this, says, hey, remember, during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. And now he's being comforted, and you're in anguish. And besides that, there's a great divide between us and you. No one can cross that. See, heaven is protected. Lazarus is up there, and he sees nothing about what's going on in hell. That's what we're protected of when we go to heaven, is when we're in heaven, whatever is evil, whatever is bad, whatever is not of God is protected from our mindset and from our hearts and our souls. So we won't know any of that stuff. We won't know who didn't accept God. We won't know who didn't. Everything is glory there. So those that don't know the glory, those that never accepted Jesus, those we aren't going to know any different. We're just going to know the family of God because that's what it is, because there's no sorrow there. And that's what the man is telling him. We, he's protected. You know, you, you get to remember it, but he gets protection, and he's just in the glory of God right now. And so the rich man's thing is, oh, but well, then can you send someone to them from the dead that can re- get them to repent of their sins? Send someone. 
And he's thinking, you know, like, here's here's the thought process. Oh, I, I, I remember those times when people would come and tell me about Jesus, and I just scoffed at him. And then I was supposed to help the poor, you know, even because I had everything. Remember, he's a rich man, but I scoffed at him because, you know, you know, it's it's. I think about uh, Scrooge, and when they they ask him for, you know, in in that Christmas Carol, when they ask him for a donation, and he says, um, "Well, I guess it would just decrease the population of the earth, the dense population of the earth," you know, and and he's he has no care about people, and I think maybe that's what this rich man is like. And he's like, can you send someone from the dead, you know, because someone from, you know, one of the spirits came and got Ebenezer to change his whole way of life. And, and he was, you know, in that movie, he, it changed him. And that's what this rich man's like, can someone do that? And so Abraham, who's representing God in this story, says, if he won't listen to Moses and the prophets who are living, right? then he's not going to be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. I love this part because that's Jesus' foretelling of his own resurrection and how people are not going to listen to the risen Savior's witnesses of how Jesus rose from the dead for your sins and mine, and they're going to scoff at it, and they're not going to listen to him, and it's just going to be a mockery. And he says, if you're not going to listen to what is the word now made plain, how are they going to listen to it even after someone rises from the dead? And it's me. I just love this. Can you tell? It's so cool. This is one of my favorite stories. And so I, I was telling this story to one of my kids one time, and I'm like, look, man, when we are in medicine and we go on a certain call, we have to err on the side of the patient. And there's a couple of things that we will do that aren't harmful to the patient, but we give them to the patient just in the process of erring on the side of the patient for safety reasons. It's not going to hurt them. It can only help them. And I, and he's following with me. And I said, so if we were that in that mindset with heaven, I would think I would want to err on the side of eternity with God because there's a story, and I, and I told him about this story. And if it's me, I want to err on the side of heaven because it's not going to hurt me to follow Jesus in any way, shape, or form. And I just love this story because of the way Jesus puts it out there because he goes back to this whole verse about use your worldly possessions to benefit others because the rich man didn't benefit anybody and it cost him. And if you do use it to help others, you will be blessed for it. And that's, you know, so what are you doing with your worldly knowledges? You know, God's gifted me with a lot of things I'm able to do and I use it for the kingdom work. We, and I'm using it to teach my sons and they, they use it as well. Mike, I have two kids now going into medicine. One's, my daughter's going to specialize in pediatrics. My other son's going to go and 
be a paramedic and then do construction work on the on his off days just like I was doing and like we do now we help people that can't afford it it's just cool to see how that works that's what he's talking about help others so the story goes on and Jesus goes to a part about forgiveness in Luke 17 and he's like hey look this is what happens everybody's going to be tempted but man look out for the one who does the tempting if you're the one trying to draw somebody into sin with whatever temptation you're giving them it would be better for you to have a millstone around your neck than to cause somebody to sin and in their days millstones were so heavy only mules could move them so if you think about that, having a millstone around your neck and thrown into the sea, that's a, a, a like heavier, as heavy as an anchor, like on Deadliest Catch, if you ever watch that. Those anchors weigh tons. Well, I won't say tons. They're real heavy. If they can hold that ship. So think about that wrapped around your neck, and you're going straight to the bottom. And I don't know about you, but I haven't learned how to breathe in water. And that's that's deadly. And that's what we have if we tempt people. Because the Lord says this. If someone re sins against you, you need to rebuke that person. In other words, hey, call them out on it. And then if they repent or ask for forgiveness, you got to forgive them. And even if that person does it seven times, you got to forgive them. And ask for forgiveness, you got to forgive them each time. And he's telling his disciples this, the apostles, and, you know, they're overwhelmed by it because they're like, wait a minute. They do it and do it and do it and do it, and you're telling us we got to forgive them every time? And their response is, and this is the one time they say this, the apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Because <laughs> they're like, Man, that's going to be tough because we know persecution is going to follow us because we're following you, and you want us to forgive these people because, remember, our carnal nature is, has this want-to-get-even mindset, and we want to lash out, but Jesus is saying, no, you got to forgive. And remember back in Matthew 6, verse 17 and 18, he said, unless you forgive... Your heavenly father won't, if you don't forgive, your heavenly father won't forgive you. Ooh, that's heavy stuff. And so they get that and they're like, oh, Lord, show us how to increase our faith because they know it's going to take a lot of faith. So then Jesus comes up to some 10 guys that have leprosy. And they're crying out, have mercy on us. And Jesus just simply says, hey, go show yourselves to the priests. And so they take him at his word. And as they go, they get cleansed of leprosy. And so the leprosy leaves them. But here's the thing. Only one of them comes back to thank Jesus. And he comes back to Jesus and he falls at Jesus' feet thanking him. And guess what? He's a Samaritan. See, I just find it interesting that these people that get these healings that are most thankful are the ones that, that realize how much they really needed him. And that's that's where I'm at. 
I realized how messed up my life was without Jesus. And I, I don't, I'm not saying you have to be super messed up to have a super relationship with Jesus. But man, I know I never want to be without Jesus in my life again because I know what it was like without him. And Jesus looks at this guy and he's like, didn't I heal 10 of them? <laughs> Where's the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? So he's not saying that in disrespect, but he's saying the other nine should know better, but only one comes back. So the other nine, they're like takers. Yep, God can do it. I'm taking it. I'm running. And that's literally what they did. I'm taking and running. Greed grabs. Gratitude receives. And when we receive it, Jesus said, as freely as you received, freely give. And when he gets it, it says, has no one else returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, except this Samaritan? And because he give God glory for his healing, Jesus says, stand up and go. Your faith, remember, that's his word. Luke really points out how Jesus always talks about your faith has healed you. And so that one guy. So I, I know in this story that really pointed out to me, I might know, but I really want, as freely as I receive, I want to give, and I want to give God the glory for what he's given me because I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a giver in all things. And a lot of times we get caught up in stuff where they expect we just expect and we are a taker. And we never want to be like that. We want to be givers. And it's givers of God's glory and be able to give that out to people. The glory to God for what he does in our life. Ah, so this is good stuff. People ask about, hey, when are we going to see the kingdom? And he says, the kingdom's already amongst you, man. You're not going to see it like here it is, this big physical thing. The kingdom has already been amongst you. And he's making them see that, you know, they're in his, he's been in their presence this whole time. You just got to realize who you're with. And I think when we realize we're in his presence, that's when we really know the kingdom is here. And so Jesus goes into the time of his return and how we're not going to know it. And it just goes into one will be taken, the other one left, uh, you know, how Matthew did in Matthew 24. And this is good stuff. And he just says, you got to be ready because you just don't know. You got to be ready. And if you want, I, this is the part I like. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. And you, if you lose, if you let go of your life, you will save it. You might hear that later today if you tune in early morning, or you might have already heard this if you tune in in the afternoon, because this will come up again when I speak at church. So in Luke 18, we're in Luke 18, and there's the story of the persistent widow, and this is this is good stuff because, um. This is about a widow that 
goes to an unjust judge and she keeps bugging him for justice and he finally gets tired of hearing her and he goes and he renders a just decision so he doesn't have to hear anymore and you Jesus has taken us down a path where it's like so we just got to keep on asking and you know which is what he said in Luke and Matthew right but he ends this story not with that he just says that he gave this just decision so he could get them person this person done and won't God do more for you because he's God and then he says this this is how he closes a story but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? See, he closes this story with that question because he's looking to see how many of us are going to be persistent enough to keep pushing forward and seeking after the kingdom or after God. Or are we just going to tire out and say, well, it didn't happen the way I, I didn't, it didn't happen the way I expected. We have unmet expectations. So we just fall out. Remember, Matthew said, and the love of many will go cold. And this is Luke's way of saying that same thing. How many of us will have the faith? How many of us are going to stay persistent? In our walk with God, or will our love grow cold? Because if we stay persistent, we see that even if we stay persistent, an unjust guy will finally give in. And if we're persistent, how much better will God be for us? Because he's God, and he is just, and he loves us. Woo, that's exciting. So what's that tell me? It says to stay persistent. Be determined. That's what I tell my players all the time. Be determined. You have to just believe. And I love this because he's telling us to be persistent. And then the last thing I really want to hit on in Luke 18 is the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector praying. Because in this we might even hear sometime during today too. The Pharisee and the tax collector go into the temple to pray, and the Pharisee prays pridefully. I thank God I'm not like other people. Okay, now here's what I, I challenge my Bible students to. Find a place in the Bible where it says for you to bow your head and close your eyes. Okay, I'll leave it there for you guys. You guys can see if you can find that. So think about that while this Pharisee is standing by himself praying. I thank you, God. And remember, there's a tax collector in the temple too. So think about that and think about how he's praying. That I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. Think about that language. You know, that's accusing, right? And then he says, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. So think about who's in the temple with him. Think about where he's praying. Think about how he's praying. And then think about this. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. 
So that's a pretty accusing, prideful prayer in my eyes. And it's directed more to a person or persons than to God in my eyes. And then the story shifts. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Now this shows me this guy's probably kneeling, bowing his head, and praying respectfully so he can stay focused. And it's beat on his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. That's intensive prayer, looking for the Lord to just bless him because he knows he needs Jesus in his life. Here's what Jesus says to that. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the second time Luke's brought this up, and he's bringing this up because we can't go around judging people. That's not our position. It's not our position to judge them on how they pray, how they look, how they come into the church. And remember, Jesus said, I am Lord over the Sabbath. So this Sabbath, when we're worshiping, can we just get rid of all our inhibitions and just worship and let the Lord see us naked and unashamed? Not literally, but just go before the Lord and just worship. And if that means you're raising your hands, you're shouting hallelujah, and you're praising him with all you got, then do it. And if you got to pound on your chest and say, Lord, have mercy on me, then do it. But to sit there and gawk at other people and say, man, I'm glad I'm not like those other people, and to put through your mindset what you think they are, especially like that person, we're wrong. And we might hear about this tomorrow too. That's not what God called us to do. And so I just love that because that's heartfelt prayer. And Jesus closes out. There's a story of the rich man in here again, but Jesus closes this out by the healing of the blind man. You know, and this is when he's walking in Jericho and the blind man hears he's coming and he's yelling, son of David, and the people want to shut him up. And Jesus says, bring him to me. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. And with just a word, Jesus says, all right, receive your sight. Your faith, there it is again, your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. Your faith, people, is able to do anything if you trust in God. I trust in God, my Savior one. Sorry, but I just love that. Because if our faith is strong enough, he sees that and he just says the word. And just with a word, miracles happen. And I have a friend that's been in Tanzania and miracles have been happening. And it's so good. And Lord, we just thank you for that. So on this Sabbath, can we worship 
you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, use the things you've blessed us with to help others and just make this a great day in the Lord. Have a great Sabbath. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey!